Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Odell Beckham Jr. continues, you know, his name continues to come up. We'll get to your calls in a second here, 877-337-6666. Now, not just with the Jets, but the Giants as well. There is real interest there. And that was the report last week from Connor Hughes of SNY.TV. He covers the Jets uh, and Giants for SNY. The Jets have real interest there. And if you heard Joe Douglas talk about it yesterday uh, at the owners and, uh, you know, coaches, whatever, meetings uh, out there in Arizona, he basically said it would be great to add another piece like that, as many weapons as you can get. And the fact that Rogers spoke highly of him, the fact that now the report was out there, their interest is real, and then you hear Joe Douglas talk about the idea of bringing in Odell. Man, I'm starting to get the feel that it is not only the Jets' interest is real, but it is a very realistic possibility. Now, I don't know how much Odell Beckham Jr. is going to want I mean, the reports were $20 million. He came out and denied that. He says not 20 but it's more than 4 Maybe it's somewhere in between. So money's going to be a factor in what kind of contract he's looking for. The other thing that becomes a factor is his health and how explosive he looks coming off that significant injury. I mean, you're going to have to see him, and the Jets are going to have to evaluate and all that stuff, or whoever signs him, but in this case, the Jets. And then you worry about, or at least I do, the... Issues that come along with Odell Beckham Jr. And not that he's a criminal because he's not. I mean, he hasn't been. And I would never want to lump him in with guys who have done, you know, bad things and are still allowed to play. But Odell's issues have been immaturity, selfishness, lack of accountability, things to me that can be detrimental to a team, specifically a young team or specifically young players especially guys that probably look up to Odell Beckham Jr. Because they saw his one-handed catch, they see him in the news, they see that he's transcendent, where he's not just a football player. He's become a you know, a, a, a celebrity off the field. Every move he makes is scrutinized. And he's yet to understand that. But every move he makes is scrutinized. And maybe Odell has matured. Maybe he's learned from past mistakes. And again, not the worst mistakes in the world, but just issues that you know, don't happen to other players. But Odell continues to find himself in the thick of things. And he never takes accountability. It's always blaming somebody else. Yeah, but they said this. Yeah, but he did that. Yeah, but, yeah, but. How about for once just step up and say, you know what? My fault. So those are my issues with Odell after years of watching him with the Giants. Oh, speaking of the Giants, they also are not closing the door. Maris said they're not closing the door on potentially a reunion with Odell. You know, his grandchildren were upset that they traded Odell. You know, they didn't want to bring him back. Odell uh, was a great Giant, all, all this stuff. You can make a better case, I think, for the Giants to bring him back because... He was there because they need a wide receiver more so than the Jets do at this point. But I don't think either situation is ideal for Odell Beckham Jr. I think Odell and both New York teams would be better off if Odell played somewhere else. Now, the thing that's tricky about it, and again, we saw this with the Nets getting sucked into just going for the talent as opposed to what's best for 
you know, the team personality and, and things like that. The selfishness of Odell can be overlooked or immaturity of Odell or lack of accountability from Odell can be overlooked because of his skill set. He can be a difference maker. And that's why the Jets or Giants would be thinking about a reunion or, you know, the Giants case a reunion or the Jets just bringing him in. And even I, who don't love Odell Beckham Jr., never have, because of all the reasons I just said, even I know that, man, Rodgers and Odell, that might be fun to watch. That might be fun to watch. But I think, ultimately, Joe Douglas and the Jets need to show a little restraint here, need to be disciplined, stay the course, and go elsewhere if you want to bring in another weapon. Not Odell. He ain't it. He could bring more negative attention and potentially more drama to their locker room than it's worth it at this point. And I would never be a fan of that anyway. Now, look, this is just hypothetical, right? I'm just saying it could happen. And maybe he comes to the Jets and he does what he did with the Rams. But the difference is he was only there for a short period of time. And he helped the Rams obviously go on to eventually win the Super Bowl. He got hurt in the Super Bowl, but he was great in the postseason for him. I think that was a perfect situation. He wanted to go there. It was only a few games at the end of the year. And then on in the playoffs. Is Odell going to be worth it for an entire year on a potentially longer-term contract? I would go elsewhere. 877-337-6666. Russell's calling from West Islip. What's up, Russell? What's up, Sal? Big fan. Um, Thank you. You know, um, with your whole friends thing, yeah, I have, like, forced friends, and I need to make excuses not to be around them. <laughs> Once in a while, it works out, but not really. But my jet point is, what's the deal with what I heard today about signing Zach Wilson as like the number two, not signing him, but naming him the number two. Because Aaron Rodgers, they plays two years. And, you know, and and then Zach Wilson, isn't he in like that year where you have to pay him? So Right, so Zach Wilson is going in a year what, three. He, he's going in a year three this year with Zach Wilson. Okay. So they so, have him under control for two more years at least. They are not in all likelihood going to pick up the fifth year option. So that means that he will, they will okay. have a decision to make at the end of the fourth year and see where okay. Wilson is at. Now, in a perfect world for the Jets, this is a perfect world. Aaron Rodgers comes in. Zach Wilson learns under his idol. Rodgers is able to mentor Zach Wilson for two full years. In those two years, the Jets, hopefully, in a perfect world, have the ultimate team success, right? Getting to, winning the Super Bowl, all that stuff. And then when Rodgers says goodbye in two years, the Jets are ready to hand it over to Zach Wilson. That's the perfect yeah, uh, scenario. And, and they don't, and they don't, they don't have to pay him in that in that year. They can. Well, they'd have to they'd have to sign him after that. He's got two years on his rookie deal left. So they'd okay. have to decide on the fifth-year option. There's no way they're going to pick that up, and that so, because I can't imagine they would pick that up if they haven't if they're not seeing him play. So then exactly. they, yeah, then they would have to, you know, watch him potentially in the fourth year, or just sign him on for that fifth year and take the chances with him. Now, the, I don't, it's not like anybody else is going to be giving him a big contract either, because in this hypothetical. Rodgers would be playing these two years. So what would Zach Wilson be? He would only be what we saw okay. the first two years. Agreed. Now, what happens if Rodgers has – I mean, I know he doesn't miss a lot of time, but, like, if they're, like, speaking towards, like, a really, really good season and Rodgers has to miss a game, two games or something, Zach, Zach Wilson's their second, that's their – Yeah, that's it. Zach like, Wilson is the backup quarterback. Okay, so, so there's a, I, I mean, just being negative, like, so you lose two games instead of cutting ties now because they believe in him that much? I, I, I don't well, know. He's, he's, here's the thing. He could be an asset, Russell, and thank you for the call. 
Whatever you think of Zach Wilson, I know the majority of people think he's toast, and you may be right. But he's an asset right now that has zero value. There is no point to look to move on from him where you're not going to get any value back. Cutting him, you're wasting a potential talent that Joe Douglas drafted number two overall. He's not giving up on that talent if he doesn't have to. And you're not trading him for anything because you're getting nothing back. There's zero value right now with Zach Wilson. So that's why I say best case scenario is the Jets build him up in these two years under Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he gets an opportunity here or there. Maybe it's in a blowout game. Maybe it's in a meaningless game after the Jets have clinched a bye. I mean, who the hell knows? Maybe it's if Rodgers, unfortunately, has to miss a week or so. You don't know. But... They're handling the Wilson situation the correct way. You do not just throw away an asset like that. Not at this point. And he becomes irrelevant and takes a back seat to the Aaron Rodgers show for a year or two. Sam is calling from Brooklyn. Good morning, Sam. What's on your mind? All right. Thanks for taking the call, Um, I wanted to discuss Volpe and obviously the hype surrounding him. I mean... I don't know if I've ever seen a Yankee prospect as hyped as this one in my life. I don't know if there's been one, really, I'm saying, in recent history. I know some of my Yankee fan buddies are ready to retire his number already. But um, more broadly, Volpe and, and, you know, not just Volpe, obviously, with these other kids, Peraza, I think in baseball it's become more important than ever to be able to build with young talent because I think if you look at the Yankees, the way they've won traditionally with their going out and, you know, just buying, you know, many of the big-time free agents, I think in today's baseball, the market is you have small market teams all over the place that are willing to spend, which you didn't have recently. Every major free agent where once upon a time it was always going to be, you know, the Yankees, the Dodgers, maybe one other surprise team. Today, there's teams all across the league that are willing to go, willing to pay a player 10 years or even, you know, a seven-year deal for $200 million. And what ends up happening is the big players have huge markets, and even the second-year players – are able to get contracts six, seven years when you're talking 25 per. Guys like, you know, let's say a hobby buys, even a Brandon Nimmo with the Mets. You know, these guys are getting solid money. And what ends up happening is to even get a tier two player, let's say, it starts to cost you a significant amount of money. So even with you're the Yankees and you have, you know, the type of resources they have, it's becoming possible to simply build a team by buying players. And, you know, just for context, you look at the Yankees and, they have $130 million sunk into only four players on average, I'm talking, for the next five years. That's when Stan's contract expired. So to even bring in any sort of upgrade, you have to spend so much money. It's more important than ever to be able to bring in young players. And obviously all the excitement with Volpe, but it has to go beyond Volpe. I feel like you got to have guys, other guys, being able to come in and hold down positions on, you know, on these rookie contracts. Otherwise, there's just no way to sustain success. Well, yeah. I mean, and that is why you see, and you know the Yankees have tried to do that with their farm system. It was why you see the Mets putting such an emphasis now under Steve Cohen's ownership on the minor league system or in the minor league system and having different things there to try to groom players because, yeah, it is important. You can't just go out there and spend $40 million on a player uh, you know, and get you know six or seven of those guys. You're going to have to draft and develop talent. Those are the organizations that have the most success when they're able to draft and develop players and then have them contribute on a team-friendly deal combined with going out there and maybe overpaying or spending big on a free agent or two. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And Sal, if I can, just one quick point on the Giants with the draft coming up. You know, this offseason, everyone was all, you know, everyone was all in on the, obviously, after Jones and Barkley, I'm bringing in that big play wide receiver. But some of the moves they've made recently seem to indicate that they're going to set, you know, they bring in Waller, and then they sign a lot of tier two, tier three wide receivers, bring back Slayton, they sign Tyrus Campbell, you know, Shepard's coming back. It, it seems to me like they they really pushed that off. Where do you see them going in the draft? I feel like, you know, you look, they have some needs at corner and the inside of the offensive line, center, maybe a guard. You know, where do you see them going? Yeah, uh, and that, that's why I think for the most draft. part, I, I, who knows at this particular point, but the point is, Sam, it should not be, oh, they need to get a wide receiver. You, you can't put yourself in a spot where you're taking one specific position. When you're a team like the Giants, especially, and I think they've done a nice job here 
nice start to the offseason, whether it be the Waller trade, whether it be free agency with the you know sign of the linebacker and all those different things. The Giants have made some, you know, bringing in the receivers you mentioned. The Giants have had some sound, solid moves here. But they also have holes in other spots, whether it's on the defense, whether it's in the trenches, whether it is wide receiver. I mean, you can maybe pick two or three players that are at a position of need for you and see who's around when you're picking. That would be the way to go. I don't think you could sit here and specify which position should be selected by the Giants because you just don't know how the draft is going to fold out, uh, unfold. Exactly, and, and you know, and, and I like that. I, they, they've kind of given themselves some leeway here with the way with the way they've uh, structured this off season, and, and they could, you know, there's a number of positions where they could go. I would point out, I, I'd be very interested to, for them to take an, an interior lineman. I think there really is a need. They lose Nick Cage. They haven't had a real center in in a while. It's been a while. You know, it's kind of been these guys on a one year deal in and out. There's a couple of kids. You see a lot of you know a lot of projections, whatever that means. Day two guys. I mean. I would be very curious to see if they if they go there. That's something I think they could they could definitely look to upgrade this draft. I would think it's a possibility, Sam. And thank you for the call. I, like I said, I think anything would be on the board, depending on what's there. And you know, it's the same thing every year for me with the draft stuff. Oh, should they go this position and that position? Look, a lot of times, even though you may have a position of need, unless it is the final piece, you have to go based on your player evaluation, who's the best on the board, and combine that maybe with need. Those are the, you know, those are the type of moves that organizations make. You don't know. You could say, oh, well, we definitely want, let's just say that Joe Shan's like, okay, well, we're taking a wide receiver. We need one. And what happens if the first three wide receivers, and again, I have no idea. I'm just throwing out a complete hypothetical. Let's just say the first three wide receivers that you wanted that you were honing in on at that spot, go the three picks right before you. Then what? Do you take a wide receiver that you didn't love just because you're taking that group? You're, you're picking that position? No, the answer is no. You you don't just take position. So if it's somebody that they like, let's say they have a wide receiver on the board that they like and a center on the board that they like. But the center is graded higher. You know, maybe that's a tricky spot where, okay, well, we like both these players. We have a need for both these players. Which one do we go with? But you don't know who's going to be there. One of those guys may be there. Maybe one of them isn't. And then the decision is made. Let them have it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. fan we gotta move on at some point from at least from a new york perspective with the lamar jackson situation jackson yesterday tweeting out that he requested a trade from the ravens back on what march 2nd or whatever it was and you know harbaugh saying that he's not leaving us this and that who the hell knows how it plays out here's what i do know lamar jackson is not coming to new york and the idea that the Jets made a mistake. I mean, it's such a, a a forced, fake topic and narrative. It's ridiculous. It was never going to happen. And the Jets made their choice. Aaron Rodgers was their guy, and they're getting their guy. That's it. You think, you really think Lamar Jackson is better than Aaron Rodgers? Come on. Based on what exactly? His inability to be healthy here down the stretch of these seasons? The fact that there are still question marks about Lamar Jackson being able to throw the football at a high level consistently. And yes, I'm aware he won an MVP. But remember, the strength of Lamar Jackson. You know, Aaron Rodgers can't hold a candle to the way Lamar Jackson can run the football. But Aaron Rodgers is also one of the greatest quarterbacks the sport has ever seen. One of the more physically gifted quarterbacks the sport has ever seen. Pinpoint accuracy. Limited interceptions. And look, Lamar's still young, and he's still got to be put in a position whether you know that offense in Baltimore is holding him back, the lack of weapons, all that. You can make those arguments, but there are question marks about Lamar Jackson. Two big ones. One, can he stay healthy? 
Because a player of his caliber or of his style, he plays the game like a running back. He plays the position like a running back. Running backs wear down early. The wear and tear on a guy who's as physical and runs the football as much as Jackson does, it's going to catch up with you. Not to mention that he's hurt anyway at this point. He's always banged up with something. So to commit to Lamar Jackson long-term contract, it's, some team should and some team will. But this point in particular for the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is no doubt the better option. So the idea that we keep trying to make it about Rodgers versus Jackson and the Jets are making a mistake, I mean, come on. I get that people love Lamar Jackson, and look, I love him too. I mean, he's a great player, great guy, easy to root for. To me, it's sad that it's gone the way that it has in Baltimore. There's no way a player of Jackson's caliber should not be sticking with his team. After all that he's done there, what they've done to help him, what he's done for that organization, you can't, they've got to be able to keep Lamar. Now, again, it's been frustrating at times, especially getting hurt down the stretches of these seasons. But he's a Raven. And they should be doing whatever it takes to make him happy. Clearly, they are not. If Lamar can find a taker for the price tag that he wants, then maybe they're going to work out a deal and away we go. But for the Jets, he's not the right fit. You know, New England would be interesting, and I guess there are reports saying that Lamar wants to play there. You know, Belichick, remember, he did take Cam Newton on a couple of years ago where Newton has you know similar style where he's a better runner uh, of the football than throwing the football. But, you know, Jackson is at a different point in his career. Cam Newton was at the end of the career with New England. And I thought Belichick was going to use that weapon better than anybody else with Cam Newton, but he didn't. And Cam did not have a good year. The thought of Lamar Jackson with Bill Belichick is scary. Because as good as the Ravens coaching staff is, you know, Belichick's even better. Guy's a genius. When you get a football player, the caliber of Lamar Jackson, and that's what he is. He's a football player. I know he's a quarterback and a very good one. An MVP quarterback. But he's a football player. And there's no doubt Belichick would make the most of... Lamar Jackson's ability. The thing is, man, you just got to keep him healthy. At some point, he's going to have to transition to being more of a, I don't want to say pocket passer, but just more of a passer as opposed to running for his own health. You heard about the Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, talking about the same thing with Josh Allen. You can't keep putting these guys in situations where they're going to get banged up and hit hard, and risk injury. There's a reason why quarterbacks used to never run. Because you can't have those guys getting hurt. Anyway, when it comes to Lamar Jackson and his situation, the sadness is that he's going to be in all likelihood on a different team. Although at this point, you know, who the hell knows? I always thought he's coming... I thought for sure he's staying with the Ravens because even if another team makes him a big offer, I think the Ravens are going to match. I just think the Ravens are calling his bluff that there isn't a team out there that is going to pay him what he wants. Therefore, by default, he's coming back. But if Lamar feels so disrespected that he's out regardless and maybe sit out a year, no, that's a different story. But the ang- then, then there's the angle from the Jets should go all in to get him. Like, you guys, are we forgetting how good Aaron Rodgers is? He may not be as exciting as Lamar Jackson. He's not as explosive as Lamar Jackson, but he is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. And that is not a knock on Lamar Jackson. That is a praise of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is so good that the one knock on him is that he's only won one Super Bowl. Ah, this guy Rodgers. He's only got one Super Bowl. Like, he should have two or three. And yes, his talent, he should have two or three. But it's not just him, as you know. It's There are other factors 
involved there as well. And it didn't work out in Green Bay to where, you know, they couldn't get that second Super Bowl. And maybe it comes with the Jets. And I know Joe Douglas is going to do all he can to try to build that team up around Aaron Rodgers. And the Jets have built already a solid team. They are on the verge of building a loaded team with Aaron Rodgers. They can be scary. The Jets two years ago, I know they had a nice, you know, increase this past year. Two years ago, you're talking about the worst team in football. That's how bad the Jets have been. And it's been like that for a while. You know, one thing Sala does that bothers me, though, talks about, oh, you know, how things have changed, how things are different now. You got all these guys wanting to play for the Jets. Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe to a certain extent. But it's not like the Jets have accomplished anything. You know, Joe Douglas saying the same thing, too. It's not just Robert Sala. Jets have not accomplished anything. Maybe the best move that they've made, and yes, I know that they have a solid defense. You know, I was praising Joe Douglas before. Maybe the best move that they made was hiring Nathaniel Hackett, even though Rodgers doesn't want to believe that that's a factor in him coming over. It is definitely the factor for the Jets to hire him. Rodgers may say, oh, you know what? You shouldn't hire Nathaniel Hackett just based on me wanting to come over here. He deserves that, and maybe he does deserve it, but the Jets, there's no doubt, brought Hackett in to lure Aaron Rodgers. But what have the Jets and Robert Sala and Joe Douglas really accomplished so far? The answer is nothing. They have not accomplished anything. So to make it like they've built some great organization, which is why Rodgers wants to come here, is not really true. Jonathan is calling from Farmingdale. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, what's up, bro? How's it going today? Good. How are you, Jonathan? Surviving, man. That's all we can do. Same. Exactly. I just wanted to get your thought on, do you think all of these organizations, and like across the board, Major League Baseball, hockey, basketball, everything, do you think they're ever going to learn from each other that these lucrative, guaranteed contracts are more of a headache than, than than they're taking on? Well, okay. Well, obviously, you know, every league has a different feel. So give me an example. Like, what, what are we talking about specifically? Well, like this Sean Watson and Lamar Jackson, and then you have, you know, you have this, that whole situation going on with Lamar Jackson, and then you have the the absurd with soccer, let's just say, like overseas, and Cristiano Ronaldo and his multi-million dollar deal over wherever he's playing, and then you have... Well, let's say baseball, right? Let's take Major League Baseball, which seems... Sure. Because uh, I'm not that familiar with soccer. But Major League Baseball has every contract is guaranteed. Do you think that that's better? And, like, if we were operating in the NFL under the same circumstances, every contract is guaranteed, would there even be an issue with Lamar Jackson or De- Deshaun Watson and the comparison? I mean, it, well, it's it's just... I understand, like, they're, they're two different aspects. I mean, they're two different, you know, completely different sports, different... Uh, personalities because baseball you have a hundred what do you got 162 games right. versus you know 17 weeks you know and such i just think that right but but do you so there's a couple of things here though do you think jonathan that guaranteed contracts are good or bad that's the first question oh i i think they're bad okay so my point was that if you had guaranteed contracts for everybody in the nfl then one like deshaun watson's wouldn't stand out Right? Right, right. So so meaning that it might be a good thing. Like, I can't comprehend how in the NFL you don't have guaranteed contracts. Of all the sports, the NFL should have guaranteed contracts to me because these guys are risking their lives every time they set, on, uh, set foot on the football field. No, I get that. But then on the same foot, you, right. get a guy, you get a guy that gets injured week three, you know, there you go. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, not that I'm like, listen, they got more money than, you know, you and me put together. But at the same time, is that as the fan base is like, ah, like, you know, we shouldn't have, you know, put put everything on, on this on this one guy. We could have just gotten, you know, more multiple pieces throughout the rest of the season to kind of fill in that spot. Like, Right. Well, it happens in baseball now. Obviously, the difference, too, not just guaranteed contracts, but the salary cap. I mean, there are you – know, think of how much money gets wasted every year. 
in Major League Baseball where you guys got you get these guys that guaranteed contracts, like Robinson Cano, for example, mm-hmm. guaranteed contracts and zero production. You know, in the right. NFL, you just cut these guys and move on, which is why I think you have more contract disputes and bickering back and forth in the NFL because they're not guaranteed, because players know that if they get hurt, they're going to get cut, or you know, if they underperform, they could just get cut and, and not have whatever contract that they sign. I don't know. There is, there is no. It's a great conversation, Jonathan, but there is no perfect solution. Yeah. What, so, uh, what would you prefer? In closing, what would you prefer? What would you like to see happen? You know, that's that's the million dollar question. Right. I mean, I I don't have the right answer. And thank you for taking the time to call, Jonathan. We appreciate you checking in. I don't have the right answer for it as a fan from a fan's perspective I feel like the NFL's contract situation is comical because these guys can sign whatever kind of contracts they want it doesn't mean anything and even the guaranteed money like the bonus money does that impact the fans no and we as fans with the salary cap stuff all right maybe some people get more into it than others but I don't I mean, a part of me is like, how the hell are the Jets going to fit Odell Beckham Jr. and Aaron Rodgers and all that they have under their salary cap? But you know what? What do I care? If they can, if they feel like they can figure it out, that's on them. Just let me know who you got. Do I care how much money they're making? Not really. If you can make it work, what, what's the difference to me? But what's fair is fair. And unfortunately, in sports, you're never going to have 100% fairness. Teams should not have to pay players that don't perform for them, whether it is due to injury, whether it's due to poor performance. Like, you shouldn't owe somebody 30 million bucks or DeGrom, whatever DeGrom was making the last couple of years. And he doesn't pitch. You think it's right that the Mets had to pay that money? Or think of all the money the Yankees wasted over the years giving out big contracts to guys who just didn't perform. Whatever, you know, one you want to choose. I mean, there were a lot of them, obviously. But those mistakes in baseball, it's not just the Mets and Yankees. Other teams, well, you make a mistake in baseball, you're screwed. Now, the good news is you go out there and add on top of it, but some teams can't afford to do that. Meaning if there's no salary caps, you could go out and get other players. But that's not a perfect system because you have guys who get hurt or underperform or, you know, maybe took PEDs and then are off of it. You know, Chris Davis comes to mind. I don't know if that's the case with the Orioles, but you know, you start to do the math. Gets the big contract, maybe goes off the PEDs, and then he sucks. And again, I'm just using it as an example. I have no idea if Chris Davis was using PEDs or not. The point is, those those contracts are guaranteed regardless of performance. In the NFL, it's the opposite. But is that right? I mean, I guess it's closer to what I would want in that. You need to have players that perform and earn their contract. But I feel like if one sport should have guaranteed contracts, then the other could as well. And if any of the sports should have guaranteed contracts, football to me makes the most sense. Yes, guys get hurt, but I mean, that's kind of the point. By the way, they don't have to be guaranteed full term. Let's say you give a guy a three-year guaranteed deal. He gets hurt after year one. If he can't perform, obviously you should be able to get your money back, whether it's insurance, whatever it may be. I don't know. The whole thing is, I do find it interesting to a certain extent, but there's no great answer. And if there is, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. There's 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Starts. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. play right there as I'm trying to eat my cashews here the 150 snack not that it's a normal thing but I'm feeling low energy today the problem is that as I found with the schedule is that I get I was just telling somebody this at SNY before I came here so what is today now today is Monday night into Tuesday morning so on Sunday night well, I guess we could start on Monday. So on Mondays or whatever, I do the show, yeah, Sunday night into Monday morning. Usually I'll take a nap, and then I wake up, do the show from home, 2 to 5, go to sleep, wake up, have somewhat of a normal Monday. But I was up today 10, 10.30, like my daughter was up, and you know they're making noise. And that's a little early for me to be up at 10.30 to be able to survive through the night, but that's kind of normal on a Monday. So these are the days that I struggle. Now, when I get home, knock on wood, hopefully safely, by 6 a.m., I will pass out and not wake up till about 12-ish. Then I will leave again at 2 o'clock, go into the city, do SNY, hang out at night, do sports night, then come here. And then I start to get on a better rhythm. Like So by tomorrow, okay, my body's starting to adjust to the overnight. Wednesday, I'm good to go. Thursday, good to go. And then Friday... I get off the air here, come back into the city, do the SNY stuff, go home, and kind of have a normal night with my wife. Then I'm up. You know, she goes to sleep. I'm up till 2 or 3 just because my body is wired like that. Saturday, sleep in a little bit. You know, like 10 a.m., let's say 11 a.m. Then by Sunday morning, you know, finally Saturday night, like I go to bed like a normal person. Sunday morning, I wake up nice and early, but then I have to do the overnight again. So just as you start to get on that schedule, and I don't know if you guys who are working overnights as well with me here, like if you alter your schedule i can't keep that same schedule on the weekends my wife would divorce me simple as that so it's hard to when you kind of you know get ramped back into the overnight monday tuesday okay by wednesday you're feeling good thursday friday good and then boom back to trying to get on a normal schedule which is challenging which is why i had to go have some cashews because my energy is lacking and the calls are lacking as well and when there are fewer calls 877-337-6666 hint hint then I have to expand more energy or expound more energy. I don't know. Don't know English. Um, I'm just talking to myself for, you know, 30 minutes at a clip here. Um, anyway, we'll reset a little bit uh, after Marco gets in here at the top of the hour. But basically, been talking a lot about the baseball. We started the show with Darren Roth off of this morning show that we did where people were calling and cl- complaining about Roth. Well, now what? Now what for that Mets lineup that Roth is not there and everybody gets what they wanted with the piece of meat being thrown to you by the Mets, rough DFA'd, and you know now you still look at that team and say, okay, that's great, but they have holes in a lot of spots, or at least question marks, where maybe holes is not is too strong. You know, you look at the Yankees, Volpe getting the nod, everybody's excited about that. Does that mask the other issues? And remember, we talked about before where where did the Mets get better, right? Maybe the bullpen was the one area where they got better coming into this year. And then, of course, naturally, they lose Edwin Diaz in the WBC for the entire season. So they have not really gotten better. Mets bring back the same lineup. The Yankees, where they got better, was Rodon 
was Harrison Bader for a full year in center field. Maybe Volpe. So there are areas where the Yankees could have gotten better from where they were a year ago. Unfortunately, Rodon is out till maybe early May. Bader is out for at least a few weeks. Now, again, these guys will come back at some point. But early on, it's the same team, essentially. Hicks, Judge, Stanton, or Cabrera, Judge, Stanton, Donaldson, Glaber, Rizzo, Trevino. The difference could be the health of LeMayhew, the addition of Volpe over IKF, and maybe Josh Donaldson improves. And Boone seems to think he's going to have a, a big year. Nick is calling from West Islip, New York. What's up, Nick? Hey, Sal, what's going on, man? I haven't spoken to you in a while. But, you know, b- baseball's coming up, so I figured I'd give a ring, talk a little match. Yeah, I appreciate it, Nick. How are you? Good, man, good. Uh, you know, I'm excited to the season to start. You know, I think we're going to we're gonna be all right moving forward. You know, obviously you really don't know anything until a couple weeks get in. Um, but I, one thing I, I hear from a lot of Mets fans is, is no one really seems to be that big on Lindor. And... I just wanted to get your take because I, I really feel he's like he's just so consistent. He's great to have. I always I feel like Mets fans don't appreciate him enough. Mets you know, the the Mets have two players who are their superstars that are extremely consistent in Alonzo and Lindor. And I think you're right that Mets fans do not appreciate the greatness of Francisco Lindor. One bad year, one very good year. I think he's going to have an even better year this year. I, I feel the same way. You know, all aspects of the game and and. It's so it's not appreciated enough around baseball when people defensively, base running, offensively can just do it all, and it's it's great to see, especially when him when he he may not have the best you know offensive night, but then he's there defensively, he gives it all on his base paths, you know it's it's a treat to watch, and I I love that we have him for the next you know what eight more years, right? Yeah, the next twenty more years, yeah, I think he'll be here uh, yeah. for the long. <laughs> You know, it is a joy to watch, Nick, not only um, his performance, but the way he plays the game, the passion he plays the game with. And think about this. In an era of baseball where basically nobody plays 162 games anymore, the Mets have two guys in Alonzo and Lindor that post. They play every freaking day. And they take pride in it, too. You know, they don't want to sit. They don't want rest days. These guys want to play baseball. And it's awesome to watch. Um, It really is. And and speaking about the overnights, because I've been doing it for a while, the beginning beginning of the weeks are always the worst. Right? So so that's my question. Do you adjust to a normal on the weekend? Like you try to get normal with your your schedule? I I almost try to, but, like, you know, see – like Saturday nights, I'm home with the wife, and I, I find myself, I don't fall asleep till 2, 3 in the morning. Right. You know, I, I'm up at like 6 or 7, and then like the middle of the day when I normally would be going to sleep, if if I'm home, I, I'm dead tired. So I, I got to get out and do things, or else it just, if you're home and, and you're in the middle of the day, it's it's rough. Yeah, I, that that's the problem. And thanks for the advice, Nick, and thank you for taking the time to call. Get back to us here. Uh, just adjusting. I was talking about it before, Marco, just a, a few minutes ago. So I don't know how you handle it here. Mm-hmm. You've been doing how long you've been doing the overnights? I know full-time, not very full long. Full-time, less than a year, but, but I've been, been doing, doing them for, for 10 years. Yeah. Right. So it's a, it is, though, different when you're doing it five nights a week. A hundred percent. Totally different. So how do you, like, when is your Friday again? You get home for the weekend when? Saturday morning at about 5 a.m. Okay, so then what do you do to get back? I know your schedule's all over the place anyway. Yeah, but I mean, Saturday, you got the kids, you got whatever, so I'm getting two, three hours sleep max. On Saturday, like, so you yeah. go home, you sleep from 5 to 8? Yeah, as much as I can, as much as they'll let me, and then okay. the day starts. And then you wake up, and then what time do you go to bed? All day. I, You know what? See, the problem is I wind up all day, I'm exhausted basically all day. In the right. afternoon, I feel like I'm ready to, to drop. I'm drinking coffee, you know, like it's going out of style. Problem is I wind up. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, I get that second wind. I'm usually up until 4 o'clock, four, 5 o'clock in the morning. So, so I wind up getting, on. I wind up being like a 24-hour cycle easy just because my brain doesn't shut off at that point. Sunday, same thing? Sunday, same thing. Unless, you know, if I get a reprieve and maybe the my wife and the kids are sometimes at my in-laws. You'll nap or something. And I'll actually get a chance to sleep Sunday, Sunday morning for a few for five or six hours. 
That helps, and then the day starts, and then there it is. Because, just because you're up late Saturday night. Yeah, like I can't. Watching TV or whatever it is Stupid things, yeah, yeah right. nonsense. The things that you shouldn't be doing. When everybody else is asleep. And you're staring at the clock going, why the hell am I awake? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because you can't go to sleep. Yeah, the, I wind up getting overtired, and then at that point, I'm used to being up then, so the body's now ready to go. So the only thing I like about that is that my wife, so like, okay, I get home Friday night normally, 8, 8.30. Usually I'll bring something home for dinner. We'll mm-hmm. watch a movie. We'll catch up on the DVR shows. That is like our first time right. since Sunday that we have together, Friday night. Right. She falls asleep 10, 11 o'clock, and now my weekend begins right. because that's like me time. Whatever I want to do, go downstairs, organize stuff, bills, whatever I got to do, watch certain shows mm-hmm. on my own that she doesn't want to watch. So I end up staying up till 2 or 3 in the morning. But that's a problem the next day oh, yeah. because then they're up. And I should be up because it's Saturday. I'm home. Right. I shouldn't be sleeping in. So even if I get up at 10, it's still kind of late, but earlier than I normally would. But then Saturday, we have a normal day. And then Saturday night comes around and I start to have a normal sleep. Let's say I'm tired around 10 or 11 and go to bed with them. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit later. Sunday, I wake up nice and early. Hey, this is nice. We have a nice family. (laughs) And then I got the overnight that night. Right. So just as I get back on, and that's what I was saying, like, this is the toughest one for me, this overnight, because I'm still, like, adjusting to well, going through the night. Now, this is day one for me. This is day two, two for you? Two for me. Yeah, but the okay. first one, so, like, normally Sunday night, I'm home, I'll nap a little bit before. Okay, I got you. All right. And I go to sleep a little bit earlier because I'm doing it from home, so I go right to bed at 5, although yeah. I couldn't go to sleep, whatever. But, like, I wake up at, say, 10, 10.30. Then I have to go to, yeah. to six. Yeah. From ten thirty to six is right. a long time to stay it's up. It's too much. Yeah. No, it's it's so if I make it home, then I pass out and then I'll sleep till like noon and then I'm on clock. Yeah, see, here's the difference. You and I are a little bit different because you have the Sunday night and I don't. I come in Monday right. night. So I get that extra day. And I'll be fair, I don't sleep much from working here Friday night into su- Sunday. Like I really don't sleep much at all. Sunday night. I'm exhausted by this point. Now the kids are going to go to school the next day. Like, I'm wrecked. So I will fall asleep somewhat early, 9, 30, 10 o'clock right. on a Sunday night. And because my, you know, kids are on the normal weekday schedule, I can still have my normal what I sleep during the day on my nap on Monday. Oh, okay. So I kind of make up for the sleep that I haven't had all weekend oh, by Sunday night and Monday morning, that little three-hour, four-hour window. And that gets you set for the week. That is where it kind of rejuvenates me a little bit. So usually on Monday night, I'm tired just because almost you slept too much, but at least I'm not on fumes, which is where I am by Sunday night. And I know a lot of people that do this schedule, and obviously people are listening that do this schedule too, they just stay on schedule i would love to if i didn't if i didn't have the wife and the kids i would because my brain is now functioning i'm cool with that but you can't do that when you have little kids like they don't they don't want to hear you were out work all night they don't want to do that fleeg says he stays so you stay on schedule huh like give me an example fleeg then you go home on friday morning sleep i'm assuming right and you just keep that schedule throughout the course of the weekend? Well, so much to the extreme that, like, Friday might be the one day if I want to do something, I'll wake up a little earlier. If I get to a point where, say, we get home on a Friday night, like, you know, my wife still, she's going to bed at 11 o'clock, midnight, whatever, I'll take sometimes a quick hour, 90-minute nap, wake up, stay up all night, this is Friday into Saturday, and then go to bed Saturday morning at, like, 6. So still a little bit earlier than I do for the overnight. Like, I'll adjust by, like, an hour or two. But nothing crazy to the point where then I can just jump in, especially now that I sometimes, like every other week, oh, I'm hosting, hosting the Sunday anyway, mornings. Yeah. So now there's even less reason to get off of the schedule. But yeah, because then what time I don't do have you kids, wake, I just... What time do you wake up then Saturday, let's say? Well, like we're normally during the week, I'll wake up, say, like between one thirty and 2.30. On a Saturday, I'll do it between like 11.30 and 12.30. And she's cool with this? Yeah, unless we have something, she's... I mean, it's, it's just a, it's the reality, like, it's the reality, like, <laughs> no, if I'm up, like, what are we doing? Like, I'm exhausted, like, I can't, like, so, right. again, yeah. if, if we, if I have, you know, and she's good at letting me know, if we have something, like, hey, you know, this is one of the days, especially on a Saturday, because then I still have the day to get back on the overnight schedule, but, like, listen, if there's something on a Sunday morning, tell whoever it is, I'm out. You see, Sunday is the key. Yeah. He's right. And that's my worst day. Yeah. I, like, if you ask me which day do you get up the earliest, mm-hmm. Sunday's the day. Yep. And that's the day that I should not be. I should be starting to ramp it back. You're right. But, again, that's the difficult part of it. And this is why I've told you a million times with my schedule, I'm thrilled 
that on the Monday through Friday right. and not Sunday through Thursday, if you will, for the overnight's kind of purposes, because Sunday is the day you're up early. Everybody is. You're up early. You got things to do. You got place or whatever. You got to see people. You got to do whatever you got to do. Right. Next thing you know, it's nine o'clock Sunday night. You're wrecked. And then you have to try to get a nap and get back on the air. I'm thrilled that I don't have to come in Sunday night. The the other thing, and we'll get to the update in a second here and get back to your calls, 877-337-6666. I don't drink coffee. And I think that that – now, I'm not getting it. Do you drink coffee, Fleegs, or no? No, I told you. I joked the one time they right. put them in the fridge back there. I drank it, and I was up. I'd normally go to bed around 7. I was up until, like, 11 that morning. <laughs> yeah. Like, my experience – we've talked about this a little bit. I've had, like, Red Bull when I used to go out occasionally and have, like, Red Bull and vodka. And me and my friends would get up. But, yeah, I'll try it. And I, I felt, like, my heart racing the whole night. I can't do it. I don't want to do caffeine. But at times where I'm dragging, I'm like, man, I probably could use a little – jolt here yeah i don't know what that's like i i kind of envy both of you mine is on like an ivy drip so <laughs> but you're not you, alone like i know if you take that away from mm-hmm. me i'm done yeah. i'm done that's the only thing I like that boomer drinks i mean most people drink coffee and then we have guys like here marco you're not the only one who drinks a lot of coffee yeah i mean i uh, did beningo drink coffee when he did the overnights anybody have any idea was he a coffee guy i don't know don't know, don't know. I wasn't curious. What job. about Tony? did tony do uh was no no, no, no. tony nah. and jj too they would drink tea yeah Interesting. JJ, no coffee. Nah, JJ was imagine. more of a tea. JJ's naturally right. like, shot up imagine. on caffeine. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I was going to say, he would be, I mean, shot out of the moon right. if you gave him too much caffeine. Tony was more of like a, it was almost like half a cup of tea, too. Like, Tony was never a caffeine guy either. I, again, right. I give you guys, I don't I wouldn't be able to function. Right. I literally, if I'm not having at least a pot a day, and that's not, that's, not, that's doing nothing. I can't imagine if I had to do this schedule and you took coffee away from me. Yeah, I don't see. think I'd survive. Tony nah. also took the train in most days, so a lot of times he would sleep on a train ride coming in. Right, and you have that option to sleep on the train ride going back. I can't. I just sleep on the LAE on the way home. Right. Eight seven <laughs> into the train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His problem was he wouldn't fall asleep on the train ride back because if he did that, he would miss a stop. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Right, you just ride that thing up and down, <laughs> pass out, dude. I don't. When the the good thing is when you do go to sleep at six a.m., I'm out. Like my wife and daughter are making noise. I'm like, I didn't even hear. I didn't hear a thing. That's so how it's good. Yeah, it is good. Uh, I Sometimes I get the sleeping mask on, although I've lost mine, so I don't know where the hell it is right now. Sleeping mask. Yeah, you never had that before? Sleeping mask keeps the the light out. Oh, dude. Can't picture you with a sleeping mask. Really? Yeah, I don't know. There's something about that. Actually, an ex-girlfriend real. put me onto it. She used to use a sleeping mask and earplugs. I was like, what the hell are you doing? She's like, oh, yeah, I guess living in the city, I don't know. But she used to wear a sleeping mask and earplugs. Hmm. The earplugs I couldn't get into. I like having some kind of, as a matter of fact, I like noise machines, sound machines. No, you never had that either? I, I never had, no, I never had any of that stuff. But now, again, with kids, you're not allowed to do yeah, anything anymore. I know. You got to know when they're awake and when they're there, when they're yelling and when they're screaming and whatever. You, you can't. That it is sucks. true. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.